I have to think about where my passion is and the thing that broke me, the thing that the hardest thing that I ever dealt with, with in my own life was having a child who refused to feed and mm. realizing how broken the medical system is when it comes to that. I want to help other people because I felt so scared and so alone during that process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want anyone else to feel that way. So for me, it's became a life mission because sometimes when you finally heal from these huge mm-hmm. wounds, you go on to then want to make a big difference in the lives. Hi, I'm Dr. Evka, the mom of the playgroup who's in charge of the food and the lecture series, empowering other mothers when something seems off with their children sharing mindset work when it comes to motherhood, medicine made understandable, and mastery of your child and who that child is when they have food intolerances, feeding challenges, or other of your concerns. You've heard that I'm a family doctor, a feeding physician, a life coach, a nutritionist, and a best-selling author. But if you ask me, I will tell you, I'm another mom just like you. And I'm your friend. Just remember that this information is being shared for educational purposes only and some of it's opinion-based. If you have a specific medical concerns, please see your regular doctor. That's not me. Hi, friends. Today's episode is about life changes and career pivots that can happen if you have a child who has special needs and what you do with it. We talk about our own stories as we pivot into the different world of not just motherhood, but figuring out what we want to do with the rest of our lives. And I have a chance to speak to a serial entrepreneur who helps other mothers and other women go and build these really strong and powerful businesses. Her name is Dr. Ronke, and she's actually a pediatrician here in the New York City area as well as an entrepreneur who helps other women to establish businesses. And this is the conversation that she and I had. When you have a child who's born and they have special needs, or they have feeding challenges, or they have significant food allergies, your life changes quite a bit. You can spend so much time in the hospital. You can spend so much time having to do therapy, going to all all of these medical appointments. And it's harder to get the family leave that you might need, or it's harder to have all that flexibility in your job. What often happens to to mothers or or fathers in certain circumstances, especially when there isn't a parent or grandparent who's readily available or an aunt and uncle, is that they wind up having to leave the workforce. We're even talking about successful individuals who previously worked and had big corporate jobs or were doctors and lawyers and all kinds of things. Then they, they're having to leave the workforce as well. As the children's medical conditions get better, eventually you want to go back into the workforce, but you want to go back into the workforce in a way where you're given job flexibility and job security. And I think you're guaranteed both job flexibility and job security if you work for yourself, because mm-hmm. you're not going to fire you. <laughs> Some of the hardest years for families whose children have 
feeding challenges or significant food allergies or other special needs happens when the babies are young. As they get older, maybe there's less need of therapy. Maybe some of these conditions Mm -hmm. like all these therapy in school. There's people who are doctors, who are lawyers, who are who were really successful before they had their yeah. child with special needs. But given the circumstances, they had to end those jobs, and now they want to go back into yeah. that workforce and figure out how to do it and to be successful, but while being able to take care of their children. When you have children, that's like one stage of your life, you where you're just so busy helping them to grow up as human beings. But you also come to another stage of your life where you also want to make a difference in the world and you want to do things that will make an impact on others and a way that you can be remembered in in the future. For you to be focusing on that and allowing people to have an impact and think about what kind of an impact they're going to have. That's so important. Absolutely. Being a pediatrician myself, I'm, I'm very cognizant of what happens, like you said, when uh, when parents have children with special needs. For every parent, your child is your priority. So if there's ever a problem that needs to be fixed at home, women, usually women, tend to leave the workforce. And workforce reentry is something that is very difficult to negotiate if you don't have the right um, sort of mindset or the, or the right knowledge that you need in order to do that. So I encourage women to first start from where they are and do an inventory of your skills, your knowledge, your intangibles, and your network. I call it skin. It's your skills, your knowledge, your intangibles, and your network. And from that, you can figure out what is the best place for you. Once you know what you're good at, once you know what you know what your knowledge base is, once you know what your intangibles are, those are things like your passion, your personality, and even your network. Because while you were home, you met other mothers, you got other skills. It might be skills of multitasking while taking care of this child. But you have to put all of that skin into the game of workforce reentry or new business starting. So you take everything that you learned before you came back home or while you were home, and you have to package it in such a way that you become attractive to your prospective employer or in such a way that you take all of these things and use it to build your own business. And how valuable you present yourself is what makes a difference if you're negotiating flexibility from your employer or if you're building a business in reaching out to your clients. Because you learn empathy from taking care of a child with special needs. And empathy and being able to relate with your customers are, one of, are, are some of the things that are definitely needed to run a successful business. Absolutely. When you have had to decrease how much time you're working in order to take care of your child, the employer is going to want to know what did you do during the time that you were out there. For instance, you're going to have to tell that employer that you were out because of your child's medical needs. And some families may be hesitant to say that because of the worry that the employer will say, well, 
the child's still in the family. What if this reoccurs and there's going to be more therapy visits and there's going to be more hospital visits and there's going to be more medical appointments? What if this person's going to need a lot of flexibility? You come across that when you're sharing your story of what happened and why why you had to leave the workforce. Yes, that is definitely true. But one thing I want women especially to realize is not every job is the job for you. Not every employer is the right employer for you. So when you share your story, you have to anticipate, even if that employer doesn't ask, what's going on in their mind and answer those questions for them. I went home because my child is the most important thing. She needed me. I was home for the past four years. I learned how to take care of things. I learned how to communicate effectively with our healthcare providers. I learned how to multitask and juggle many things at the same time. And now I have her at a place where she's getting good care. I have the support that she needs and that I need. I have everything in place to make sure she's properly cared for and I'm ready to come back into the workforce. All of a sudden you're taking this situation that an employer might have looked at more negatively and said, well, you know, what if the person just going to get the job and then they'll be out all the time? What you're sharing is that this was a good experience. You learned skills, you learned empathy, you learned better customer service because you know what it's like to be on the receiving end when doctors or uh, healthcare professionals or whoever it is you're talking to don't necessarily <laughs> say things exactly how you would want. So you know what it's like to be on the other end. And so when you come out and you're trying to do customer service, let's say you have a customer service based job, you, I think you can do it better just because of your own understanding. I also like what you said about having to then reframe it and say, that was the period of my life. That was a stage of my life. Mm -hmm. It's like some people who go back to school, they go to their, get their Mm -hmm. education. Uh, They go Mm -hmm. to college or university, and then they come back in the workforce after they've gotten their education. Well, you as the parent of a child with special needs just got this, this education on (laughs) on what it's like to, to have to put somebody else before you to learn patience, because you, need, uh-huh. you may need lots of patience, to learn understanding, all these skills that you, yeah. you might not have been as good at beforehand. Uh-huh. You went to parenting university and now you're coming <laughs> out and you're trying to find a job. Or perhaps right. in certain circumstances, you want to start a business. Can you tell me a little bit about why some people might choose to go the route of a business coming back as opposed to going straight into finding another employer? That's a very good question. Ultimate freedom comes when you you are in control of what you do. You're in control of your time. You're in control of your work hours. You're in control of the kind of work you do. And the only way to have that kind of control is by being your own boss. That would be a good reason to become an entrepreneur. Now, having said that, though, entrepreneurship is hard work. It's not a 95. It's a 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. You're always on, but you're always on in a way that you can 
work where you want to work. You can take your baby with you to work. I mean, assuming you're conducive to a baby, but if you're working out of your home, if you're working online, or if you're, you have a retail-based business that's an online retailer, you can do that from your own space. You can schedule your own appointments if you have a service-type business to suit your child, your child's needs or your family's needs. So ultimate freedom and flexibility can definitely be achieved through entrepreneurship more than if you were in the, you know, the traditional workspace. That that's a good draw for individuals who know that their child is going to have ongoing needs that need to be cared for to have that ultimate flexibility and to have that ultimate ownership. One of the concerns I have for people going back into the workforce and starting their own businesses is that when you were not working or you were not working as much as you were before, you might not have made that much money. And now you're in a place where maybe you went through some of your savings. You need to get some of your savings back. You want to have more money set aside for your child's future. To be able to do that, sometimes it's easier to become an employer because a business can take years to get off the ground. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, the top reasons why people don't go into business, the the top three things that I hear my clients say is, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough talent, or I don't have enough treasure. And it's not just for moms that are re-entering the workspace. Everyone that's considering business thinks that these are the three top limitations that they have. It's time, talent, and treasure. Treasure representing money. The truth of the matter is that a lot of businesses don't require that much money to start. It depends on what you're trying to start. You can start slowly. You can start with a little bit of money and then expand. You can start with the time that you have and delegate a few things. That, you know, now it's so much easier to start businesses because if you wanted to sell something, for example, so you had a product that you wanted to sell. In the old days, you would have to uh, pay the lease and uh, sign a five-year lease and hire someone and then fill the store with merchandise and then, you know, all of these things. Today, you can sell a product on Amazon without having a store, not having the supply. It's, it's amazing the things you can do. You don't even have to invest in the supply ahead, or at least if you have to, it's not a lot of supply. You don't have to do much. You need to have the idea. You need to work it. And you can make money and grow it slowly. So today is a different day. You can start businesses with little or no money. Of course, it's going to require some time, but it is a trade-off. It's You see, the time that you spend in business is not time that's spent. It's time that's invested because it's a reward in the future. I wanted to talk a little bit more about how to start businesses nowadays, even if you don't have the know-how, because there's so much available on the internet. Most of what we want to know is on the internet. It's just hard to figure out which part, which ones of it is accurate and which ones not and how what the <laughs> level of accuracy is kind of like if you look at medical information, there's a whole bunch on the internet, but you need someone who's qualified, like a physician to be able to interpret yes. it and to be able to tell. One of the pro- uh, places I go is Udemy. It teaches you so much about how to run a business. Yes. So you can learn all of this stuff pretty easily. One of the 
issues though is that when it comes to having an online business, there's so many other people who have started online businesses, especially now in the last year because of COVID. So you're swimming in this ocean with everybody else and you need to have a way of standing out. And I I think there's two ways of standing out. And one of those would be through advertising yourself through social media and hoping that over time that catches on and people get to know you. And I think that's the slower way of doing it. The faster way of doing it is to go uh, through the paid sources, do paid advertising to get people then to come look at your products. Yeah. Those are definitely ways of doing it. I encourage women, though, in the situations you're talking about, to not discount their networks. So friends and friends of friends should be your very first customers. Anything you do, you should always advertise in your immediate circle. Once you advertise in your immediate circle, that's free advertising anyway. If your product is good, they will refer other people. Actually, ask them to refer other people. Once you've done that, the next way of getting good advertising without paying a lot is to establish yourself as the subject matter expert. That means you speak. That means you go to places where people that that need your services are and you tell them, you educate them on the value of your service. So you have to put yourself out there. If you're going low budget, the power of your network is great. And that's one thing that moms do very well. They build relationships. So harness these relationships to help you in your business. I think that women who have children with special needs have something incredible that families who don't have children with special needs don't necessarily get as much. You get this community of other people who almost instantly get you because their child has a similar medical condition whether it be something rare, like FPIs, food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome, or, or something that's more common nowadays, like an autism spectrum disorder. The thing is that if you talk to another family and all you say is, I have a child this age and my child has, has this medical condition and they have the same thing, all of a sudden you get each other. You establish mm. this bond that mm. I think is harder for other moms to create. Yes around them yes just because they don't have that immediate oh this is a hard thing that's going on in my life and it's a hard thing going on in your life too and we're similar in that way yes yes and they become already your test community so if you have a product that's for moms and you can uh, you know ask for opinions you can ask them to test it out they can give you feedback so you have that built in if your product is for children with special needs, then you have that built in. If that's for children without special needs, moms that have children with special needs also have other children that don't have special needs. So you have this community of people that can test out your products, give you feedback, advertise for you. They become your raving fans and they make your products go viral. Right. The hard thing when you have that sense of community is that it feels incredibly awkward to ask your friends for money because some people have this unspoken belief that you don't mix your friends with your money. I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that when you are first starting out and you're first starting out your business and you want to get the word out, if you 
give like a sample to your friends of the product and ask them what they think, then they become your referral sources for others. Now that you've had a sense of what this is like, can you refer it to others? All of a sudden you start getting traction on your product through the community without having to pay the advertising costs. What that is definitely true. Where, where, how have you seen this in action and what, what are your, your thoughts and some other ways that moms who are starting new businesses, now that their children are a little bit older, they're getting the therapy in school systems, how have you seen them start these online businesses? What I see that works really well is using your community, not just, they don't really have to be the only, the people that buy from you, but your community is useful for feedback. If you have a product, when you're refining the product, they'll give you useful feedback in how to make that product better. So they sort of become like a testing or sounding board for you. And then, like if you have a product where you can sample out, they become your very first reviewers because you get customers when they go on your website and they see that you have positive reviews they're more likely to buy. So your community becomes that for you. They can test out your products. They can give you reviews. They can give you feedback. They can refer you to other people that would buy. And believe me, they will buy. You don't have to advertise. What I, the reason why I think it's difficult to sell is if your business is more like a hobby, then it becomes really difficult to ask your friends. But if you have a legitimate business where there is a website, and they know that this is your website, they will go and, and they say, oh, how can I purchase your products? And, and the question is, it's on my website. You may not have to take the money. It might be awkward for you to take the money from them face to face, but I don't think there'll be any awkwardness in them putting their credit card in your shopping uh, card online and purchasing if they really do enjoy your These multi-million dollar businesses, mm. they, they go through one person talking about it to their friend who then talks to it about another friend. And all of a sudden you have all these customers and you break through the no like and trust factor. Like you break through it because they already know and they like you. So all you have to do is put the product in front of them. And they might not think the product's like the best, you know, they might not have any use for it, but Mm. they might. And you're more likely to buy from people you can trust. Absolutely. And and they're more likely to refer to you for other people to buy because they know you, they like you, and they trust you. And that actually is where the barrier gets broken because a lot of new products don't take off because they can't get those first few people to buy and to review. If you're selling a product on Amazon and you don't have any reviews, it's very difficult for people to buy from you. If you have a few reviews that people can actually read through, they tend to trust you more and buy your product. And it almost becomes like a snowball effect. Yes, that's true. And the other way that, that, you know, entrepreneurs can consider is writing a book. We talked about becoming the subject matter expert. So while you're home, while you're thinking of going back, if you're going to be going back gradually, actually writing an an ebook, you know, so that you get your name out there, you start to get known in that particular field or product field that you're going, service field that you're going to be going into. So an ebook is an easy way. Well, it's not easy, but it's a, it's a good way to get the word out there so that when your product or service does start, you have a community of people already of some sort. I know some of these websites now where I see with social media, um, marketing, especially they offer a whole bunch of freebies. 
So they offer like the ebook and all of these other incredibly value back items just to kind of get people in the door and to be able to like them and trust them even even more. I know that's one of the things I've been working a lot recently on my website. One of the things I've created is how to have an allergy free sandwich because most sandwiches have the top eight allergens, one of the top eight allergens in them. Or for these FPI people in the FPI's community, they have oats and rice Mm. and other things for which there will be an allergen. So it's really hard to like find a good piece of bread and have a sandwich. Absolutely. Can you give me some stories about some of your clients? Absolutely. People work with me because they're either re-entering the workforce, they're looking to to thrive in leadership positions, or they're looking to build profitable businesses. So those are the three categories of people that I work with. We look at where you are right now, and then we see where is it that you're trying to go, and we figure out what the steps are to get there in terms of do you need additional training, additional certification, do you need, you know, whatever it is that you need to get where you're going to go. We draw the roadmap. Um, if you're looking to go into business, we first of all help you identify the business if you don't know what business you're trying to go into. And then we build a plan to get to where we identify your ideal customer. We do the customer psychographics, the demographics, talk about marketing, how you can reach those customers. And then, of course, we talk about having your product or service to match what the customer needs. So the, those are the ways in which I work. Um, so it's essentially leadership and business coaching. I'll tell you the story of a recent client that I had. She was a serial entrepreneur with very, very many businesses, but she had uh, recently lost her husband after a long battle with illness. And she had been not working at that point in time. She had the businesses being run by some people that she had hired. After the husband passed, she was looking to go back and run the businesses. But some of the businesses were things that belonged to her husband. She did not have the expertise. So what I had to help her do, first of all, because this was a period of time when she was still grieving, is make sure that she was in a good place and focus first on her personal goals in terms of what did she want her whole life to look like. And then the business fitting as a part of her life, help her to focus on what business to keep, what business to sell, how to increase the value in the businesses, how to get a good acquirer. You know, so those were all the steps that we had to go through with her. There was one business she was going to pass on. She's a good case scenario of someone that had to sell some, maintain some, pass some on. And at the same time, work through her own grieving and personal issues and life goals, which for her at that time was to concentrate more on legacy or what she could do to empower other people. You mentioned the story of somebody who was like new to these businesses and you were able to first look at her life goals and then based upon that, make suggestions of what she can do with her business. Because that's important. Sometimes people run headfirst into starting a business without thinking about where it will fill in their life and whether they can see themselves doing it and whether it's a good fit for them 10, 20 years down the road, potentially. I know it's something you used to think about when you are having a child with special needs. For instance, if you are thinking about starting a restaurant as a physician, having talked to many restaurant owners 
they can put in a lot of hours. I'm, I'm sure yes. that's not the case for everybody, <laughs> but the hell, gosh, like sometimes I would talk to them and they'd be like, yeah, I worked 80 hours this week. Last week <laughs> it was like 90 and it was like almost residency hours when I was in medical residency. That might be hard to do when you're also trying to take care of your child unless you have yes. somebody else who can do that for you. How about those people who had a business and then because of their child's special needs or now with like COVID-19 where many businesses are suffering. I just had a friend who had to close down her restaurant because people were not coming to it enough. She was losing money off of it every single month of keeping it open. How do you help them? How do you help the ones that have started businesses and now are in a place where they're wondering, you know, should this business even be saved? This last year has been a tough year for, for, for everyone. I mean, restaurants have suffered more than many. Each business has to be looked at. I have a business that also was shut down for a whole year over COVID. And what we are doing in that business is pivoting. So th- there are ways to do it. Some businesses can come back. They may not be able to come back in the same fashion or in the same form as they did before. Some of them may need to move to totally online. Some of them may need to become mobile. Some of them may need smaller spaces. Some of them may need to be sold. You know, out of this whole COVID thing, a lot more people started to reevaluate their lives and what they want. And a lot more people are choosing to exit. And exiting a business isn't something that should be taught thought of only at the point of exit. It is important that at the beginning of a business, you have an idea of what your exit strategy is. If most women in going into business are going in their 40s and 50s, they're going to be in business 20, 30 years at the max, and then they have to start thinking of exiting. Exiting can be through passing it on to the next generation. Exiting can be through selling it to an acquirer, or exiting can be through just you know, letting the business go and just closing it. But if you've devoted 20 years of your life to something, it should be a significant part of your retirement benefits. I call myself a business value builder, helping you to see the value and increase the value in every aspect of your business so that when it comes to that time, you're already prepared. I I, I just actually recorded a video today that said, if someone walked up to you and offered you $2 million for your business, what would you say? Would you say yes or no? And most business owners do not know what their businesses are worth. So they would not. They might say yes and have undervalued themselves. They may say no and overvalued themselves. But it is important for you that in every stage of business, you know what your business value is and you know what you need to do to increase the value in the eye of an acquirer. What other remarks do you want to share with families whose children have special needs? I would say you guys are the true heroes. It is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I have patients with special needs and I really appreciate the work that the parents do. It's a thankless job and it's a hard job and it's not a job that ends at five o'clock. It's a 24-7 job. It's not a Monday to Friday job. It's weekends included. It may also be a job that a lot of people out there don't understand what you have to go through. So you might feel alone. If you're not in a community, 
please find people that are going through the same kind of situation. You do need to be in a support group. I would also suggest that if you have a child with special needs, definitely Dr. Efka will be the person that will also help you along in just finding the right things. You know, your doctor can help. I'm a pediatrician myself. Well, I probably can't support you the way um, Dr. Efka can because I don't have a child that has gone through that. So I wouldn't know what to tell you to do. So your pediatrician also may not know those things that would work. I wouldn't know what sandwich, how to tell you to make a sandwich, but she can. Your feeding specialist may be trained in feeding techniques, but if she's never had personal experience, she's limited in the advice also that she can give you. So that's very nice of you. And I I'll have to say that like I'm starting a business here. My daughter is getting better. Um, so we're starting a business and want to take the challenges of what happened to me and the feeling, especially the feeling of just being so scared and frightened and overwhelmed and confused. And I don't want other people to have the same feeling. I want them to come to a place where they get knowledge and they get momentum and they get courage much faster than I did. And that's through community and from understanding what it's like. Being in the situation that I'm in, I want to help lots of people and I want to, um, I create my own business. So I'm learning the ins and outs of businesses little by little, <laughs> but I'm not an expert in how to create a business. I'm at the start of this. And as somebody like Dr. Ronke, she's been doing this for a long time. She's has multiple businesses that are incredibly successful. When it comes to businesses, I would take my advice from someone who's been doing it for a long time. Thank you so much. Yes, and I think it's very important that each one of us, as we go through life and the different experiences, that we do use those experiences that we've learned, the mistakes we've made, the lessons we've learned, to empower other people. And that's what you're doing here, empowering other people from what you've gone through and what you've learned through the difficulty. Oh, it's so important. I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for for this. It was such a good podcast. I'm so happy to talk to you. Thank you. So thank great. you so much. It was. I was. I'm so glad I was able to talk to you. And thank you for having me. If any of your listeners want to reach me, um, mavenceo.com. That is my website. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thank I you. love it. Maven. M a v e n. That's what she's talking about. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor Africa. Take care. You